and welcome to this special International Women's Day edition of the Loxu podcast with me, Janice Foster, Loxu CEO. Loxu is a support unit for local optical committees, LOCs, in England. It is our mission to make it easier for LOCs to function and maximise opportunities to improve primary eye care in their areas. I'm excited to be here exploring a topic that is very important to me, how LOCs and optometry in England are blazing a trail, and we hope to inspire you to become one of the female leaders of the future. 2023 sees us celebrate a record year for women in leadership roles, with more than 10% of CEOs leading Fortune 500 companies for the first time in 68 years. Personally, after working in many male-dominated industries, I consider it an absolute privilege to work in a sector that's ahead of the curve when it comes to strong female workforce and leadership. Whilst just under half of the UK workforce are women, GOC actually reports female optometrists and dispensing opticians outnumber men at 58%, proving this really is an attractive career choice for women in the UK. Despite this, sadly, they continue to be underrepresented in senior positions, with only 35% being optical company directors. Many women are breaking down barriers in leadership, and LOCs are certainly leading the way. In our recent Equality, Diversity and Inclusion report, the findings demonstrated LOCs are booking the trends. 55% of LOC chairs are female proving women in optics really can have it all. Today, I'm joined by three of my colleagues from across the country to discuss just what it's like to be a woman working in optics. Simone Mason, dispensing optician, Loxu's digital learning support officer, Abdo local lead and LOC vice secretary, as if that isn't enough to keep her busy, when Simone is not busy promoting dispensing opticians and training the leaders of the future, you'll find her supporting her two teenage boys, keeping body and mind fit at parkrun or strength training. I'm also joined by Danielle Ellis, an optometrist for over 20 years, a registrant member of the Fitness to Practice Hearing Panel for the GOC, Loxu Optical Lead and Vice Chair of her LOC. When she's not working, she is a mum to three gorgeous children and spends some much-needed downtime running and swimming. Finally, I'm joined by optometrist, educator, EDI's consultant, communications expert and LOC CPD lead, Farah Awan. Farah is passionate about giving women from minorities a voice in leadership and optics. She is also an active volunteer and a media host for a charity that brings communities together through sharing dialogue and similarities. Welcome to you all. I'm going to turn to Farah first. As the author of the Loxu EDI report and member of a thriving LOC, tell us a little bit about your experience as a female leader and what brought you here today? When it comes to EDI, Equality, Diversity, Inclusion, I recently did a report for Loxu on um, how to incorporate EDI into um, local optical committees. Becoming an EDI expert, an EDI consultant, actually it was created in part by my being an LAC member. So two years ago, I was invited to join the London Workforce Race Equality and Standards Committee. By joining those working groups and working to do a survey put to all optometrists in London together with NHS England, it created a space for me to learn more about EDI. And it became, I understood more of the experiences and challenges that I had experienced as being a non-white woman 
in optics, you know, who at one point was struggling to have a position in leadership. And um, doing that work made me realise that I need to give other, other women a voice so that other women who look like me can get into leadership positions, that they can make a difference, um, not only for people who look like me, but for all women, you know, whether they have children, whether they don't, they don't have children, women in, of all different sexualities and genders, just to give women a voice who may not be adequately represented in the mainstream. So here I am trying to give women a voice. And you do that incredibly well, as we say, you know, incredibly active. And the report that you produced for us was a real insight into EDI work and insight into LOCs as well, who really are at the, at the forefront, as I said earlier, at the, at the forefront in terms of the sector and, and bringing women forward in leaders. Simone, um, as somebody who actually runs the Loxu Leadership Course, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your experience of getting here today. So I'm a dispensing optician and I um, had 20 plus years as a, as a DO in practice. And I guess one of the things that reflecting back is that why wasn't I sort of told about LOCs in my earlier career? That's a, a question that I sort of still need answering. So really my life changed when I was recommended to join my local LOC. And, um, and having joined that, I saw the various pathways that actually a, a DO could take rather than, than being in practice. But, uh, you know, I was kind of looking for something else. So from the LOC itself, I kind of took various courses, the LOC induction by, by a predecessor at, at LOCSU. And then the CGPL, the Clinical Governance and Performance Lead role became available. And, and I went on to, to train for that and, and do that for a number of years. And then that led me to actually take part in the you know in being a sponsored student for the Loxu leadership course and fast forward now I am very very privileged and, and honoured to be a, a, a co-module lead on the course that actually launches today um, with WOPEC um, as part of the master's degree and and really that journey has begun from me becoming a member in 2016 of my LOC so I credit you know everything about the leadership journey to the LOC it's just been an amazing experience and, and I, I kind of advocate really really now to get more DOs on LOCs. That's the voice that I want to promote because there is a lot of pathways that, that are available to DOs, you know, as part of an LOC. And it's an exciting time, isn't it? With so much that's going on at the moment, there is so much that everybody has to offer. Turning yes. to you, Danielle. How do you manage it all in terms of as a successful leader already and leading MNLOC in a vice chair role and juggling that with family? What's that been like for you? To start with, when I first qualified, I was in primary care and an optometrist and I had my children so cut down my days in primary care. I started on five days and then went down to three days and then I was one day um, clinical and I was always searching for something more. So I was always, um, I loved my job and I love helping people and I love the clinical aspect of optometry and as soon as my little one my third child went to primary school um, I knew there was more out there and it was just a case of searching and finding out what else there was in optometry and randomly one of my colleagues from work was going to an LOC meeting dragged me along she didn't want to go by herself and this was all pre-COVID so it was all face to face it was a little bit more unsettling you know turning up at a meeting where you didn't know anyone from 
from there, we met lots of people and joining the LOC gives you a network. You meet lots of other people in optometry and it opens up the doors to a lot more rather than just working in your in the little practice. So I joined my LOC and became very involved in the LOC. And then about five years after joining it, the chair stepped down and the vice chair stepped down. And some of my colleagues voted me on and I stepped forward to become vice chair of the LOC. And I love my role. I've really enjoyed it. And as Simone was saying before, the leadership, I'm actually about to start the leadership modules with LOXU, which is very exciting time to help me progress in my LOXU career. It's hard to balance with family and with work. Having two girls myself, it really is about showing them what they can reach and they have to reach for the stars and decide what they want to do, set their goals high. And I'm trying to inspire them that they can be whoever they want to be. And there's no barriers just because they're females that they can achieve whatever they want to achieve in life as well. But I was actually talking um, yesterday to my husband about how we cope with the, the work and home life. You do need to have a supportive people around you. And I was laughing that the main thing that I need is actually my calendar so that people know when I'm at home, if it's not in the calendar, it, it doesn't work. So everything has to be in the calendar. Um, and things like balancing work and life, making sure meals and things are organized on a Sunday so you know what you're doing with the week. But it's good. And I think it's a great work work-life balance, having optometry, working for the LOC. And I feel that I'm here for my kids as well, because I can juggle the work and home life as well. Great top tip in terms of a calendar. It's a standing joke in my house with, with them, my two children. And the number of times they'll come and say, mom, you were supposed to take me to. And I'll turn to them. And the first thing I'll say is, did you write it in my diary? <laughs> If it's not in my diary, it didn't happen or it won't happen. And then they go in and it is so lovely to see them work it out amongst themselves when actually two things creep into the diary and they both want taxi of mum at the same time and you then juggling both of those things and it's go go away yourselves work it out come back if it's in the diary it'll happen otherwise I'm sorry you're going to have to go and talk to dad. I think it is a sector where you can actually have it all. You can work and you can juggle home and life. And as you say, it's having those people around you. And so it's alone. Um, busy mum of two and multiple roles. Um, I know some of which you do part time. How do you actually fit everything into the diary in terms of that part time and get those things on that calendar? Well, I think it, I think like Danielle says, it, it is meticulous planning isn't it um, I've got a whiteboard in the kitchen so again similar to you people know where I am it is planning I'm actually not I'm not great at this and it's something I need to improve on is, is again planning your meals the say Sunday evening and I've just sort of started to do a little bit of goal setting and, and planning on Sunday evenings to make sure that that in my mind I know exactly what's happening during that week it fits in quite well the different roles that I have it is organization and down to setting and, and um, discipline of of knowing when you're spending on on each role so it's easy when you're in practice you know I know which which days I'm in practice and then the other days it's it's again setting um, a good routine and good organization to know which roles I'm doing on which particular days so that, that's <laughs> yeah it is it is a, um, I have a very organized brain <laughs> 
constant hat switching there. But also, you know, very importantly, yes, I do have time and I do make time and schedule time to go to the gym or, you know, do park run or whatever I, I have to do. And, and also have time to and, and make time for the children as well. Particularly weekends, you know, is, is very often spent watching football or refereeing whatever each boy is, is doing. And that's really important to me to to be there for them as well. And it is, it's that relaxation and making sure that you look after yourself. Yeah, and no, I was going to say, I agree. I think it's really important to have the balance and to know when to switch off from work as well. So I'm the same as you, Simone, that it gets to the weekend, the computer and the laptop and it goes down and it's family time. It's about spending that quality time with your family and your children as well. But on the flip side, um, I remember someone saying to me, if ever you want a job or something done, you've always got to ask a busy person because they'll always get it done. And it's about management and making lists and making sure that you're on top of things as well. So if I get um, letters from schools and things, it's filling them in when I get them to make sure that it's done rather than leaving it to the last minute. And I think that comes across with work as well, that when you're an optometrist, you need to be organised because you're seeing lots of patients and with referrals, so you do need to be on top of it. But I also think that if you're happy at work, then you're a happy person and I love my job, which then reflects at home that when I'm in my home life as well and I leave work in the evenings, I'm happy in the evenings as well because I feel fulfilled from my job as well. Danielle, you hit the nail on the head. I was having this conversation just yesterday with a friend and I just said to her, I am just snowed this week. It happens to be week. I'm totally just snowed under with like a, a ridiculous to-do list. And, and I said, it's absolutely true when we don't have a great deal of time. You just put your head down and you absolutely just get it done. So often I'm getting better at saying no. <laughs> but normally I think, well, is it kind to say no? Or how can I, you know, how can I um, sort of get that into my diary? If I really can't, then it's a hard no. But if it is, I'll be, OK, I'll try and include that. And it's interesting what you said about family as well, because family is really, really important to me. And I often find that if I am doing, and optics is brilliant because it gives you that time to sort of have time with family, have time with friends. I have them. Um, I love the evening classes for various hobbies. But also what I do is where I can, I sort of drag my family to it. So if I'm doing something with a group of friends, I'll say to my sister, oh, do you want to join us? I did some volunteering with some Afghan children refugees recently and my niece is 17 and I said I'm going to volunteer she said can I come because she knows I'm always off here or everywhere to just you know I, I, I really think it's really important that if you can make a difference to your community and to your society even if you give like an hour or two a week or as and when you can it's really important so she's like I said to her, fine, absolutely, come and join me. And it was such a good learning experience for her, seeing children living in a hotel who'd been displaced from their home two years ago. But it was a great learning experience for her. And at the same time, we both learned from it. And it, it, was, it meant spending time with family and spending time together as well. Also, touching on what you guys have said, mental health, I think, is really important to, to totally switch off and take that time to have good mental health because it's difficult to be an effective clinician even if we're working part-time in clinic, if we don't take that space to have good mental health for ourselves and those around us. Farah, carrying on with your point with um, the charity, I also, which was quite interesting, in December, it was something that I was always wanted to do, is to help in a homeless shelter. And actually in December, I volunteered for Crisis. And it was just one day. And again, I found a connection through an LOC that um, a colleague had said they were going to help out in Crisis. And again, like how I got involved in the LOC, they dragged me along. <laughs> and it was brilliant. It was 
was just a day helping out or actually testing eyes of homeless people in one of the shelters. And it was brilliant. It's a great experience for any optometrist to do. And I think you learn a lot from that as well. But it's really, and it's really important, another top tip, isn't it, in terms of that mental health and having that switch off time, looking after yourself and making sure that actually you look after yourself. You're so much better for the other people around you as well. And you're better at work. You're better at home. And that is then rewarding in its own right. And that circle continues. So it is really good. Um, And the other thing as well that I'd love to learn a little bit more about is it's those contacts that you make. And those people that you meet in unexpected places. So whether it is a park run and I'd like to think I could chat on the way around. I'm not quite sure I would. <laughs> but it's those people as you're outing about and and as you've said, um, Danielle, inspiring you at the LOCs and, and through your work volunteering as well, Farah. They inspire you to go on and do more. And I would love to know, and I've wrestled with this thought about who's actually inspired me, how and why did I get to where I am today? So I would love to know who actually has inspired you. Who are the the women who've inspired you in your life? Um, Farah, I don't know if you want to go first on that one. I had to have a strong think about this. I went backwards, as it were. So I sort of started off, you know, as a teenager, as a young adult, what inspired me there. And that was learning about the suffragettes. I just thought these women were absolutely amazing. So I used to read lots about suffragettes and was really, really inspired by them to make a difference to to sort of vote. And voting is very interesting because in some communities, some cultures, some faiths, women have always had the opportunity to vote, whereas in the UK they didn't. And then I thought, okay, let's go a little bit further back than that. What what sort of inspired me to, to be where I am, to keep going, to keep pushing myself? It's female being my mother, but mostly my parents. And interestingly, my grandfather, my late grandfather was born in the late 1800s. He was really passionate about his daughters going into education and studying so in the 1960s my you know my aunts were sent from Africa and his brothers were abroad to study you know medicine or whatever they wanted to study my parents were expelled from Uganda and so you know my mother and father got separated at that point with what was going on and you know the way that she continued the way she came to a new country she learned English as a seventh language she brought us up and taught us so much and she had the perfect balance of working with my father as a team and a partnership and bringing us up as well so that's that's what inspired me and even now, when I think of what my mum did when she was my age and juggling us kids and work and a home and everything else she did, I just think, wow, am I ever going to be that effective? I'm sure you're there already, Farrah, and I often say it's like if I can be half of the lady that my mum is... I will be incredibly proud. And if I can do that for my children as well, and my daughter wants to follow in the same suit, then then that would make me incredibly happy. And um, what about you, Danielle? So, so actually, it's interesting. When I was little, it's a, a sort of a different take to you, Farah. I used to love, I love sports generally, and I used to love watching things like the marathon. So once a year on that day, I would sit there glued on that Sunday morning watching the marathon. So it's a lot of sports personalities who inspire me, people like Paula Radcliffe. And actually, I have have for my sins run the marathon twice now the London marathon I like a challenge and I think it's the sportsman and more recently like 
Jess Ennis um, Hill and the the lionesses, who for me are an inspiration. It's it's the challenge, it's the dedication, it's the hard work of hours and hours of that that work and life balance and the home balance also, and then achieving the goals and the medals that they've got. So I, I like a challenge, and I like um, the same as you from my mum. My mum always taught me that she always wanted me to have a profession, to be something with my life, to do something that I enjoy, to give back to the community as well. And like you, I also I want to be inspiration for my children to show them that they can be what they want to be and whoever they want to be as well. So work hard, aim high, and there's nothing out of the reach that they can that they can be or do. I'm really enjoying this mix of inspirational leaders. It's unbelievable, <laughs> isn't it, where it all comes from? Simone, who's yours? <laughs> oh, uh- well, I will. I will credit my mum for sort of getting into optics, and uh, you know, she she was the, the person that sort of sowed the seed because she worked in a company where you know the the optometrist and the dispensing optician must have come in and tested the eyes of their employees, and and she thought, what what a fabulous job that is, and that sort of led on to. But you know, I, I'm going to take it back to my teenage girl years and growing up, you know, in in sort of the 1980s, it was Madonna really, and she uh, I guess helped to show a slight. Uh, different rebellious figure there. Uh, although I was the least rebellious person that you could meet, you know, I was very shy and totally opposite to Madonna. But I think that I must have looked up to her and thought, you know, oh, I'd like to be her, but you know, maybe not. And I just sort of credit as well during my dispensing journey, working with again incredible inspirational optometrists, really, that I've worked in during my journey. Yeah, I'm going to add to that mix because we've we started with suffragettes and family and we've gone through sport and we've gone through music. And for me, probably won't surprise those who know me, it's fashion. Um, so just another mix again. And obviously Coco Chanel, phenomenal lady. But then going through to Anna Winter and I spent many years studying fashion, studying Vogue and the power and influence that that lady brought to the fashion world was a phenomenal she shaped so many things and labels and people that are around today and identified so many of the young designers um it is unbelievable most recently taking it all the way around to my previous role and it was a wonderful doctor called Farah Jamil who is actually the chair of GPC now and she was the first female chair of GPC and one of the reasons Farah has inspired me most recently, and I've had the benefit of having a lot of female um, leaders and bosses um, directly or of the organisations I've worked in. But one of the things that inspired me so much with Farah was the quiet but strong nature of bringing about change, really influencing But it was those little personal things. So at a time when I was really struggling, she'd pick up the phone and she'd just chat to me and she would make me feel like, actually, I can do this. And she would send me pictures and she'd send me these wonderful pictures of uh, you know, a little girl out playing in the garden. She's saying, this is my view from the office today. It's okay. You can do this and it's all going to be good. And those little things meant so much. The fact that no matter how busy she was in such an important position, she still took the time to be human and to reach out to me. And that means an awful lot. What I'd like to explore now is looking at your younger self. And Danielle, you've talked quite a lot about inspiring your girls and and going forward with your girls and, and making them, you know, stronger, better, somebody to look up to. 
what would you say to your younger self? So yourself at that age, what would you say to your younger self now? That's a difficult one, Janice, to uh, to answer. But I think it is about finding the goals, working hard, getting you know, the balance of life, you've got to enjoy life as well. And you have to enjoy your friends and being around people. It's looking out there, seeking opportunities and about just taking any opportunities that come to you. Um, I'll make you laugh now that I know that my career at the moment is a little bit more varied from going from five days of testing. um, I now do a few different optical things that I actually, when a new job perspective comes through, I actually have to delete it from my inbox because otherwise I say to my husband, I have got any more days in a week to apply for any new roles and my kids laugh about how I have sort of three or four jobs and where I'm working today but it is about taking all the opportunities just making the most you've got one life it's about making memories as well and achieving your goals and just being the best person you can be and aiming high really. I think um, again it's self-confidence which I, I think I lacked for many many years and um, and believing in yourself. Uh, any challenges that, that come, you know, are, are important in that step. So any anything that doesn't work out was really a lesson learned and maybe it wasn't meant to be. Again, I think, look, thinking back to my younger self or even to passing on nuggets for my kids is, is do something, you know, that you enjoy. I feel blessed that I love what I do. I, I you know, I've, I've been in the industry for a long time and I've, I've got a huge passion. I still love what I do. And so it's finding something that you are passionate about and that you are going to enjoy because it's a huge part of your life you know we hopefully all want to make a difference like you Simone I used to be incredibly shy I would say don't be afraid to ask for help people are always willing to help you even now if I you know there's something I'm stuck on I'll say right I'll find the appropriate person and say you know can you help me and I think it's really important to network meet people and often I find in our younger selves, or I used to um, sort of box myself in and say, oh, I can't do that now, or I'm too old to do that. And I was only like 23 then or 21 then. Take the time, define your goals. You can achieve whatever you want at whatever age you want. It won't always be easy, but be determined, be kind to yourself, put the energy in and just enjoy yourself. You know, as Simone and Danielle touched on, enjoy yourself, be the best version of yourself and just be determined and keep smiling and keep pushing through. It will work out if it's meant to go your way. So finally, and I am going to come to all of you, but Farah, we're going to start with you again. And, and just finally, so for any of our listeners who are thinking of embarking on a career in optics or are thinking of contacting their LOC reaching out to an LOC, haven't quite done that yet, what would be that bit of advice that you would give them? Optics is beautiful in that you can enter optics at any time, no matter what your age. When I work at university, we have people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even embracing a career in optics. You can join optics at any stage. So in regards to inspiring women to joining your LSE, LSE is actually really friendly. In the survey I've done, the LOCS EDI report, LSEs are really approachable. Don't be afraid. Get in touch. As Daniel said, go with a friend if you need to. Go on the website, get involved, because we all have so much to contribute. And even if you think you don't, you definitely do. So just go for it. So optics is a great career and I think 
people often think it's just about testing eyes. There's a lot more to it, obviously, than just working in a practice testing. But I think you have to go out and look for those opportunities. Um, and an LOC is a great place. And as my role as optical lead, I've been in touch with about 20 of the over 70 LOCs and all the chairs and vice chairs and members that I've met are all, they're very friendly and very welcoming. And it is just taking that first step of pick up the phone or emailing them. And post-COVID, a lot of them are now virtual now, so you can attend your first meeting virtually. And like Farah said, that if it is face-to-face, you can always bring a friend as well. They're a great place to start. You see what's happening in the optical world. It's changing. The landscape is changing. And there's so many opportunities to have your input and have your say in how you want optics to move forward. So if there is anything, just reach out, speak to the, the chair of your LOC and try to attend your first meeting because it's great opportunities And again, like we said, the networking is brilliant there as well. I think, um, yes, again, the careers that, you know, it's it's thinking about the different careers in in optics. So as a dispensing optician, it's, you know, the the pathways that that a DO can take is not just in practice, but you could, you know, you could then upskill and become a contact lens optician, or you can take a pathway of of low vision. You can be involved more in children's work, practice management. So a lot of avenues that you can take to your particular skill set. So I think that's important. Again, being a DO on an LOC, you know, I wished I'd have joined a lot earlier. So I do really encourage DOs to to look, find out about their LOCs. And it's, it's, you know, it really is what we can offer the LOC with our skill sets. So there's some great ABDO campaigns at the moment. Um, Not just a DO was was a previous one. And the new one is, yes, a DO can. And we can, we're part of that eye care professional network now. I'm hoping that I can be a, a good advocate for the DOs in, in, in leadership roles in optics as well, joining the LOC. And I, I've got a great motto there that you can't be what you can't see. So there's me, my shy self back years ago. You know, it's only recently now that I feel that I've got that confidence that I can hopefully be an inspiration to to future DO leaders and in particular, but also leaders, uh, women leaders in the industry as well. Love that, Simone. You can't be what you can't see. That's great. Farah. I just want to say, Janice, yeah, LOCs can just give you so many opportunities, regardless of your background. As Danielle and Simone said, they are so welcoming. And even when you're on the LOC, you know, it's a safe space. You can, you know, be yourself and they're the perfect place to create a difference for all your colleagues. And most importantly, the people to whom you supply services. So, yeah, they're, they're fantastic places to please get involved. Thank you to all my guests today. I really have enjoyed this chat and I want to leave people with a bit of a message and that is we have heard from three fantastic inspirational leaders within optics and within LOCs. It's really a plea to everybody else who's out there. Don't forget to take the time just to inspire and to celebrate your successes and that of other people. All too often, we keep it quiet and we really should be sharing. So if you want a career leading and making a difference in eye care in England, then your LOC, as we've just heard today, really is a good place to start. And there are so many exciting opportunities out there. So thank you very much to Farah, Simone and Danielle. Thank you all. Thank you. Thanks, Janice. Thank you. Thanks, Janice. You can find out more about the work of Loxu on our website at loxu.co.uk and you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. To make sure you don't miss the next Loxu podcast, please press the subscribe button now.